Welcome to NRL.com's preview podcast of round two. My name is Chris Kennedy. With me, as always, is NRL.com crack reporter Alicia Newton. Alicia, thank you for being back here. Hello, CK. Yes, happy to be back in a good round one and can't wait for round two. Absolutely. It's our very great pleasure this week to join Knights, Blues and Kangaroos legend Adam McDougall. Adam, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me, guys. Looking forward to it. Fantastic. So, uh, people, you've obviously kept yourself quite busy um, in retirement. People will have seen you uh, associated with the, the man shake, also the lady shake. There's actually a, a new deal with the NRL. Are you able to talk us through that one? Yeah, something I'm really proud of. Obviously, I um, started the business nine years ago, and uh, these days when I walk down the street, people call me the shake guy. Not many uh, people even remember me playing footy, which is quite funny. So, um, I'm that guy that makes milkshakes these days, not the guy that used to play footy. So, um, it's been a huge honour to tee up with the NRL um, after this journey to obviously bring awareness to something dear to my heart, which is mental health. Um, State of mind program is something that's really valuable. Uh, provide so much value to so many people in society when you consider one in two people suffer from mental health. Um, and then to be able to join with the NRL to try and get the fans a little bit uh, fitter, um, not just physically, but mentally as well is a huge honour and something I'm excited about doing. Fantastic. Uh, great to hear. So let's, uh, let's talk some footy. Uh, kicks off Thursday night. Tonight, as we sit here to record this, the Eels and the Storm, both round one winners. Um, Dukes, we'll get your thoughts on this one first. Lots to like about both these teams, but probably a couple of little worrying signs for, for both. How do you see this one panning out? Yeah, look, I really think it's hard to go past the Storm. They're just all class, aren't they? I would have uh, imagined that they would have been a little bit sluggish in their first game, a bit clunky without the, the great man Cameron Smith, but... Uh, they certainly didn't miss a beat without him. And uh, if you cast your mind back, you know, to several years ago when they really got pumped by the Roosters in a final when Cameron Smith was suspended, it held great fears for me as far as how their season was going to pan out because I didn't think that, you know, people realised how integral he was in their football side and what, what a great culture they've got there to be able to bring in, you know, so many young guys um, in that same position and not miss a beat. Alicia, we've seen Cronk go, we've seen Slater go. We've now finally seen Smith go, but... Um, Pappenhausen, Munster, Bromwich's, the production line just keeps rolling them out. Yeah, I read one fan's tweet the other day. It was like, oh, I thought this was the end, you know, with Cameron going, that this would be the end of the momentum at the, at the Storm, but it just keeps sort of rolling on. It's, um, I think it's refreshing to see, you know, we do see a lot of clubs sort of fall backwards and, and struggle, you know, life after a great player retires. I think the Cowboys are going through it at the moment. So um, you want clubs to be successful and be competitive. So, um. You know, the way that Craig Bellamy's worked his magic um, is amazing. I just think with these two teams, like, they were pretty much opposites last week. Storm started really fast. Eels were pretty slow. Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, the Eels came back strong against the Broncos. So, um, yeah, I guess the start will be the key in this one. If Melbourne get off to a flyer, I think it'll be pretty hard this time for the Eels to, to pull their way back. Dukes, what are you expecting from Parramatta? Like Alicia just said, a pretty average first half last week. The, the fact they were able to get themselves back into it's a good sign, but clearly won't be able to do the same thing against the Storm. No, it's a concern for me just with their sluggish start. And I know Joey's, you know, trying to weave some magic over there at Parramatta. Yes. I think really the halves for me at Parramatta the last couple of seasons have been somewhat inconsistent. Um, you know, Moses has got great potential, but sometimes he fades in and out of games and, you know, he's going to be a real key for them. So uh, yeah, I think Joey's got a bit more work to do and they really need to get their starts right now, Matt, this year if they're going to be a force. Are we all tipping the uh, the Storm in this one? You've got my vote there. I can't go past the Storm. As I said, they surprised me last week with just how good they were without Cameron Smith. So they're only going to get better. Yeah, I'm going to go Storm as well, but 
I think the Eels at home are every chance if they if they get it right. The uh, Friday afternoon game this week, the Warriors uh, again in their their new home base at Gosford, taking on your old team Dukes. The Knights um, Knights very impressive against the Bulldogs last week. Knights uh, Warriors sorry very impressive as well, particularly uh, defensively in pretty muggy hot conditions uh, against the Titans. What are you expecting from this one? Yeah, look, this is going to be a great game. I think both of these sides come out last week and probably played well above people's expectations, particularly the Warriors. I really love the style of football that they adapted last week, which is something that um, I've been applauding and probably to play that style of football from day one since they come into the competition. They've got such big forward and powerful athletic pack of um, monsters in, in, in that team. And, you know, just playing up through the middle and keeping it simple, getting a high completion rate, not making many errors and not trying to play razzle-dazzle football really you know suited them well i think um discipline and, and sometimes fatigue creeps into the warrior sides in the past and that's as a result of not being able to complete sets of six and, and making you know stupid errors so i think if they can keep their error rate low and hold on to the footy with their big humans they've got on that side they're going to be a very hard side to beat this year but uh i can't go past my heart which is the knights i think they were yep. really good last week particularly um daniel Sapita, he was outstanding um he's just growing every single game and um you know, uh, David Clement next to him. So up front, this is going to be a huge battle between these two forward packs and I can't wait. So um, I'm leaning towards the Knights simply because um, my heart says so. But um, I know the Warriors are flying. They love Terrigal from all reports. They've got a few spies down there. Um, I think it's hard to get them back to New Zealand from what I'm hearing. So I don't think they want to go home. <laughs> Alicia, it's almost a new uh, local derby of the NRL just down the M1 from, from Newcastle to Gosford. Yeah, that's right. I remember going to Knights games as a as a little fangirl back in the day, and um and watching Dukes run around Central Coast Stadium. That was uh feels like yesterday, <laughs> but um no, it's uh it's a great battle, and obviously I think in in the background you, you've got Nathan Brown up against his old club, which hasn't really been spoken about as much as what I thought it would be this week. Um, you know, I have a look on the paper. He brought a lot of those Knights players to the club. You know, obviously with help around him, but um you know that built that team from from scratch almost and, and you mentioned the SAF boys there just on fire um Daniel's come in leaps and bounds so um and you've also got that Adam Fenua Blake rivalry with Dave Clemmer that that was at Manly and, and that will probably flow on again so um yeah there's a little bit in this one it's just a shame probably it's at 6 p.m on a Friday when when uh you know I want it prime time <laughs> plenty of eyeballs on it don't worry about that who are you tipping Alicia <laughs> You know, I went, I went against my heart and, and tipped the Warriors. Um, but, yeah, the more that I sort of think about it, I'm a bit 50-50 split, but I lean toward the Warriors just purely because they're at Central Coast and they're playing pretty well there. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm leaning towards the Warriors, but it's a very tough one to uh, to tip, particularly the you know the conditions the Knights had to play in last week. They managed to score 32 points, even though it wasn't conducive to attacking footy. Um, so interesting to see how they go against a Warriors team that looks pretty staunch in uh, in defence. This year, the second Friday game, another local derby, the Titans and the Broncos. Titans had the wood over uh, Big Brother um, just of late, got them twice last year. Uh, Dugues, very important game for the Broncos particularly. It is a big game and, um, you know, it's funny how different um, sides match up well against other sides. You know, it's always you know, two opponents in, in a boxing event usually uh, find each other's weaknesses and 
Uh, the Titans struggled to get over the Broncos for a long time. And I know that they were slow last week, uh, the Titans, in their start. Very disappointing for me. I really thought they were going to be the side that improved the most. He's a good mate of mine, Justin Holbrook, and he's a very good coach, very astute, and he's brought that team together well. But uh, the Broncos showed a lot more fight last week than the Broncos, the Titans did, I should say, and um, they impressed me with their effort last week. I think Kevin Walters has brought much-needed morale to the side. Um, the only question, you know, for me in this battle is going to be, does David Fafita turn up? You know, this is going to be a real interesting yeah. game for, for him because uh, he was a bit slow last week out of the blocks, and he'll want to make an impression. Alicia? Yeah, I think um, I was really disappointed with the Titans' effort last week. It, it was almost as though they've just been waiting for this game, um, you know, at home and, and to build themselves up against that against the Broncos, where they sort of probably um, sidestep the Warriors game a little bit. Um, I thought there were there were some signs there that that, that they can click, but it, it also comes down to their halves, you know, being a bit more creative with the ball and. Um, Essentially, they just kept spilling it, you know. And when you're up against the Warriors side that completes at over ninety percent, you know you're pretty much never going to win. So, um, yeah, I'm expecting a bit of a bounce back for the Titans. But I thought the Broncos played pretty well in that first half. It was a bit like their trial game, you know. They got away early and then they just sort of couldn't hold on. So, um, yeah, Kevy Walters will take plenty away from that. But whether they can put it together in a local derby, um, I'm not sure. I'm mean, expecting the Titans to bounce back in this one. Dukes, you're expecting Brisbane to be better. This year, it looked like Milford was a lot more switched on. Um, it's only a one-game sample, but he looked a lot sort of happier in his role than he did um, last year. They just sort of looked a little bit more cohesive, a little bit happier. That's a great observation from you, particularly with Milford. I think, um, you know, he, he's so key to that side and he's such a great talent. We haven't seen the best of him in the last few years. And, you know, that's where Wayne Bennett, I suppose, has been regarded as the best coach for, by being able to get the best out of the players individually, understanding the individual psychological needs of each player and being able to meet them at their level. And, you know, that, that's where you need to be as a head coach these days. With a lot of these young guys, they're a bit different to the old guys I used to play with. You yeah. around the head and fire them up. But these young guys need to be cuddled and told how great they are week in and week out. And I think Kevy Walters understands the psychology of these players. And I think he's starting yeah. to get them results straight away, particularly with Milford's performance on the weekend. He was a half himself. So I think it's a great fit for both of them. Who are we tipping? Um, I'm going the, the Titans. I, I think Alicia was right. You know, they, they were sort of very disappointing last week, the Titans, and they probably were thinking a week ahead. And I, I think they'll be fired up, particularly um, David Fafita. I think he's going to make a huge impact in this game and let everyone know he's he's worth the money that people are saying he's not worth. Yeah, I'm the same Titans, but yeah. just, just by maybe a point. Yeah, I think it'll be a close one. We haven't really talked about Tino Fasuamala, are we? But he was um, he was a bit scratchy last week, I thought. He was heavily involved. He got big minutes. He, he, you know, he had some busts and some offloads, but he also had some sort of missed tackles, some defensive lapses. Um, so he's, you know, he's probably not quite attracted as much attention as David Fafia, but he's another one that's got pressure on him to deliver on it, you know, as a big signing. So I'm looking forward to big things for both those guys this week. Um, Bulldogs and the Panthers. This is uh, an interesting one to kick off Super Saturday on paper, one-sided. Duke, is that how you see it, or you think Barrett's new look Bulldogs might um, might might push the Panthers? Look, I think Bulldogs fans can take a lot of heart. They've got the right guy there in charge in Trent. I played a lot with him, and I know him well. And he's a perfectionist. He's a competitor, and um, he's going to expect that same DNA in all his players at that club. So, you know, you're not going to get a Bulldog side this year that turn up and and don't give 100%, and they're going to do their preparation, you know. Um, if you've seen Trent Barrett um, up close and personal, you can see he doesn't have a hair out of place. He's a perfectionist. 
Um, and he's certainly going to expect that from his team. So they won't have the class, though, to beat the Panthers, but they'll still put up a good fight. Yeah, I think they're, um, I think attack-wise, they, they looked all right. Like, obviously, Kyle Flanagan there set up a couple of tries and um, they started off well, but um, defensively on their edges, that's where the Knights sort of got them with some really soft tries. So if they can tighten that up, because I'm just thinking with Penrith edges, you know, kick out, Kate, well, Liam Martin to come on the field. Like, that's that's where they'll they'll identify the weakness around the Bulldogs in defence. So, um, yeah, if, if they can tighten that up a little bit, I mean... It's going to be a tough ask, but it's going to take a bit of time with the Bulldogs. And Trent Barrett said that, you know, a couple of weeks ago after their trial game, like it will take a good month or two for them to really start to find their straps in attack. So, um, yeah, it's just a patience game. I can't see him beating Penrith this week, but I expect them to play a lot better than what they did last week. I thought Penrith last year obviously lost one game um, all regular season. They were just dominating teams in terms of especially possession. They were just owning 55% of the ball every game and, and sapping opponents, which is almost impossible to do across the whole season, but they managed it. I thought there's no way they can keep it up. And then sure enough, 60% of the ball in round one, but the uh, the Cowboys made it particularly easy for them. Dugs, he, like they've lost some players. They've lost Mansell, lost Timo, but, um, you know, Cleary just keeps on, you know, getting better and, I say, yeah, steps in as captain. All those young guys look just as happy, just as keen, just as fit as they did last year. Look, they're going to be hungrier with the disappointment of losing that grand final when they had such a great regular season. So uh, they've got so many young guys, they're fearless and, and they're playing some great football, got great relationships off the field as well, which is really important, you know, to any football side. It, it's great to have great players, but when you've got great mateship as well, it makes it much more fun. And, you know, they're going out there, these guys, and you can see that they're trying to outdo each other in their performances as well to get bragging rights. So it's always great when you've got that internal competition amongst the players that want to outdo each other. And I just think they're going to go from strength to strength. I really think they can win a premiership this year. We're all tipping Panthers in this one, fair to say. No arguments? Yep. Excellent. No arguments. <laughs> uh, yeah. Sea Eagles and the Rabbitohs, 5.30pm out there at Lotto Land. Um, Manly, very disappointing. Rabbitohs, I guess, disappointing that they lost, but um, certainly showed plenty of ticker um, going down to the storm in Melbourne in round one. Latrell Mitchell, in particular, just absolutely phenomenal. Um, Dukes, I think he's in for a very big season. Yeah, he looks fit and he looks happy, and that, that's the most important thing. And as I alluded to earlier, he's, he's got a great mentor there in Wayne Bennett that understands the psychology of how to get the best out of players. And you know, that's why so many players you know, speak so highly of Wayne Bennett, because you know, the reality is that, you know, the most important muscle you've got is the one between your ears. It's your brain when it comes to rugby league when you're at this level, and it's getting yourself right week in and week out. And if Latrell can get that consistency under the guidance of Wayne Bennett, he's just going to go from strength to strength. But they showed so much promise last week, the Bunnies, particularly in the back half of the game against such a class outfit in the storm and showed a lot of promise for their fans. So I know a lot of their fans expected a win, but, um, you know, they got pretty close in the end. And, um, yeah, they're, they're showing some great promise for the season ahead. Alicia, Manly, just huge problems to, to sort out. I don't know how they fix that in a week. Yeah, I was actually on my way to Penrith for, for that game, um, but watched the highlights of it and, you know, it was just a Roosters massacre. I don't know. I don't know how to sort of fix it, as you say, fix it in a week. But, um, you know, just, just with no hooker, I think that that's where they really struggle mainly to just get on the front foot. You know, they're constantly defending. Um, and with no Tommy Turbo at the back, it's just hard to see where their points are going to come from. Um, I think DCE might have caught it the worst performance he's ever had you know out there on the field and obviously him and Kieran Foran's um, reunion didn't go to plan so I'm expecting a bit of a bounce back but against South I can't see them um, 
you know, doing any damage against that lineup. Interesting too that that Wayne made a lot of made a couple of changes. You know, made a real statement by dropping Josh Mansour and, and Jacob Post. Like I just think it shows how much depth that South have got this year um, yeah. to be able to do that early and and yeah, show that they're they're, they're fair income about this season and happy to bring in whoever to get the job done. Dukes, what do you reckon Des Hasler does? He doesn't have a um... <clears throat> Excuse me. Doesn't have a recognised number one on the field until Tommy Turbo gets back. Doesn't really have a recognised number nine either, as much as Lachlan Croker and Cade Custer both been training there. It creates some headaches uh, in terms of trying to get the uh, the game plan right. Yeah, look, it's fine. So integral in the modern game, particularly with the, the speed of the ruck at the moment, not to have a nine there is a huge is a huge disadvantage. It's a real Achilles heel for any side not to have a, a crafty, fast hooker and. You know, then the most important person, arguably, in attack is your number one. He's the person that, you know, counts the numbers. He's able to see where there's opportunities to link into the back line and create that extra number. So not having a specialist fullback also creates two of the biggest headaches you could imagine as a coach. But uh, they call him the wacky sinus, and um, he's, he's out for a number of reasons, Desi. And he's really got to dig into that deep, weird bag of tricks that he's got and try to come up with something a little bit creative to try and give some creative flair to their attack because they're certainly under a lot of pressure with them two key positions um, not being fulfilled at the moment. We're all on uh, South for this one then? Yep, so, South for me. Affirmative. Saturday evening, uh, the day wraps up with the Cowboys and the Dragons, both teams that were um, fairly disappointing in, in round one. Uh, Dukes, Cowboys at home, they haven't had a lot of joy up there at their new stadium yet. Uh, Dragons on the road. Stage a bit of a fight back against the Sharks, obviously, last week, but obviously fell short. Uh, Cowboys, even though they defended well in the first half, ended up not scoring a point against Penrith. How do you see this one panning out? Yeah, look, the Cowboys have to win this game for Todd Payton. I think, you know, new coach um, at home for the first time. Um, he's come out and he's really um, drawn the line in the sand, you know, and said, this is my football team. Uh, after his comments about Jason Tom Lola, um, he's shown that despite him being the highest paid player, he's the big dog and uh, what he says goes. So he's going to want to make sure that his players turn up and really, you know, I suppose have his back this week because that's the biggest sign whether or not the dressing room believes in the coaches by their actions on the football field. So the media are starting to circle already. It's only game one. Mm. And a lot of people are trying to create this feud between him and the playing group and trying to say that there's certain players that probably aren't as happy as they should be. Um, so it's going to be a very interesting, you know, first few weeks for Todd. He's got to get some results quickly um, to really try and put this media sort of, I suppose, pressure that I can see already building around such a young coach. Yeah, he's been hyper impressive, I thought, all through last year, taking over from uh, Steve Kearney at the Warriors, just pulled every right rein, got the best out of the playing group, almost made the finals for a team that everyone thought just couldn't wait for the season to be over. Has made some big, bold calls to start the year. You know, Val Holmes starting on the wing, you know, cutting into Tamalolo's minutes to try and make him more effective. I don't think either of those is the wrong call, to be honest. I don't think you want to run Tamalolo into the ground, and I think Val Holmes is the world's best winger. Do you think it's just a, a few teething issues and we're going to see the best of Todd Payton? as the year goes on? Oh, I definitely do. But the problem is, like you alluded to, is he's made some really bold decisions, which on the surface maybe look a little bit extreme. And, you know, people don't like change. That's the problem, isn't it? Football fans don't like change. They're like everyone else. And when you make these changes and you don't get the result, all of a sudden um, people disregard your performance from the season before at the Warriors and start to question whether or not a young coach was the right selection. So I think he's the right man for the job. And I think he's got a, you know, a great... Um, I suppose, um, tutelage that he's, he's been exposed to coming through the ranks in his coaching experience. But once again, results, um, you live and die by them as a coach. So hopefully these changes come to fruition sooner rather than later for Todd. 
And Alicia, he's not the only new coach in the game. Hook, uh, Anthony Griffin, going to his second game as the Dragons coach. It's a different end of the, the experience spectrum to Peyton, but still under pressure with Dragons fans um, probably already getting a bit agitated on what they've seen so far. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that flows on from last year. You know, the, the team hasn't really changed. They've lost a couple of a couple of players to other clubs and then obviously losing Cameron McInnes for the season. Like, they're already in a spot of bother. So it doesn't make it any easier if you're dropping a couple of games early. So they'll want to bounce back. It is a tough ask up in Townsville, you know, quite humid and it'll be much different con- conditions to, to what they just had against Cronulla. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a tough one. I thought they showed some positive signs, like um, Daniel Avaro off the bench played pretty well. Um, they had a couple of nice moments to get Corey Norman back this week, so that, that should help. Uh, Matt Dufty at the back was, was quite good. Um, but, yeah, it's just a matter of sort of putting it all together. And, um, you know, I think for Dragons fans, it is going to be a bit of a long season, but they've just got to sort of hang tough at, at this period. And, um, you know, who knows? The Cowboys are pretty vulnerable. Also on that Todd Payton stuff, like I was in that press conference and, I think it was more just like everyone was kind of not in shock because we know what Todd Payton's like, but he's just so honest. So, yeah. you know, yeah. you're going to get like whatever he thinks is what he thinks. And whereas a lot of other coaches obviously hide that and won't say it publicly. Whereas, you know, I think Jason Tamalolo, he still punched out 50 odd minutes. And, you know, in a normal game where they're not dropping the ball, you know, he'd still, he would make the meters that, that you expect of him to do. But as I said, when you turn an over the ball on tackle one, he's never going to make any meters. And Todd made that point in his presser. Um, so, yeah, I can't see him backing down from that. And, you know, I expect Jace to, to bounce back if they hold the ball this week. So you're tipping Cowboys? Yep, Cowboys in a bounce back, yep. Dukes? Yeah, Cowboys in that. Cowboys for me too. That's three out of three. Tigers and the Roosters, West Tigers at uh, Campbelltown Sports Stadium on Sunday afternoon, Dukes. Um, probably, I mean, a lot of expectations, I guess, partly based on you know how good they were in the trial, ad- admittedly against a pretty poor Manly side. Um, showed a few signs against Canberra last week, but then just some coach-killing errors crept into the game and they made it really hard for themselves. Yeah, look, the Tigers are a team that recruited well over the off-season and, and they've obviously got a a great coach there with great success under his belt in Maguire. And, you know, he's already bringing that discipline and, and that, um, I suppose, hard edge to that side that he's known for. But, uh, you know, when they're coming up against such a great side in the Roosters this week, it, it's going to be a huge ask for them. And, uh, you know, I would expect them to continue to improve with some of these new combinations and some of the exciting backline stars that they, they recruited in the off-season. You know, throughout the year, the year, we're going to see some glimpses of excitement and brilliance from the likes of um, Roberts. But, uh for me, I just can't get over how good the, the Roosters were. I've had a lot of time with Trent um, Robinson as a coach and as a guy, and um, you know he keeps surprising me every year with just how he's able to get the best out of some of these guys. Tedesco, I'm lost to words with him. You know, he, he's a guy that sustained three ACL injuries. I had one, and it basically ended my career to see this guy bounce back in the way he has. Just it's mind blowing. I don't know how he even performs, given that you see him outside of football and he's hobbling around um, with his old knees and he steps on the field and he's. He's like a 20-year-old. So, yeah, once again, I'm just overwhelmed. And, yeah, I, I can't believe how good the Roosters look so early. Speaking about old knees, the uh, the Morris twins, I, I want to start a petition. They should never be allowed to retire. I just I can't believe how good they still are <laughs> at this end of their careers. Yeah, and that's Trent, once again. He knows how to manage players. Um, you know, Brian Smith working under him. Brian was ahead of his time when it comes to the sports science side of it. Um, you know, it was a shame that... Um, 
he didn't put as much effort sometimes into the psychology side of it with players. <laughs> yeah. But um, he certainly did get you know the, the, the performance, um, sports science side of it really, really right. He was way ahead of his time, Brian, in that regard. And Trent, you know, studied sports science at university himself. Um, so the thing that the Roosters players always talk about is just how on point he is with their preparation physically every single week, which then feeds into the mental side as well. So, um, you know, the, the, the Morris twins have been very lucky to find themselves at the Roosters because Trent would be working really hard to manage their workload. He wouldn't be getting them young guys doing the same amount of training as the old guys. The old guys would be resting up and taking a bit easier at different times of the week. And that's why they're playing such good football, these two guys. And, you know, when I played against them, they weren't the sort of guys that you'd worry about playing against because they weren't big or super fast or, you know, had amazing footwork, but they just find a way to, I don't know, be great footballers and get their way across the line. They're, um, they're really underestimated. And I think because they've been in the game for so long, I think now people are truly appreciating just how smart of footballers they really are. Alicia, plenty of subplots uh, in this one. The, the Roosters obviously missing a fair bit of firepower in the, the back row. Um, with Crichton suspended and Cordner obviously out for the first half of the year. Tigers, uh, like Duke said, quite a few changes heading into this season. What are you looking forward to in this one? Um, uh, I like to look at the Tigers' spine now that they've got Adam Dewey back. So, you know, they played really, really well in the trial, the the, the halves, Dewey and, and Luke Brooks. So Luke Brooks won 50th game um, out at Campbelltown. Like, you can't ask for much more, you know, against the top team um, for, for a big crowd and, and a big performance. I think you know, a bit like last week, I think they take, the, the Tigers take plenty of sort of positives away from that game down in Canberra. Like, yeah, sure, they, they probably weren't expecting, weren't expected to win, but put in, you know, a fair effort. I think that's what they did. In that second half, you know, if they score that try that went, then turned around and went against them, you know, could, could have, could have got close. So they, they'll look at those little things and, um, yeah, I don't think they'll have enough for the Roosters just, you know, Sunday afternoon at Campbelltown, but, um I think they, they'll do better than, than what people might expect. So tipping Roosters, Dukes? Yeah, Roosters. Roosters for me also. Last game of the round, Sunday evening, Sharks up against the Raiders. A couple of round one winners. What do you like about this one, Dukes? Oh, I just love the forward battle. I can't wait to see these big humans collide into each other and put my feet up on the lounge and remind myself how lucky I am I don't do this anymore for a living. So, um, you yeah, know, these two packs make me scared. Um and I, I really love watching little George Williams. You know, you can just see Ricky Stewart. He must get out of bed every single morning so happy he's got a halfback like this guy because I know Ricky is a competitor. He's um, no holds bar. He's a tough bugger. And, um, you know, that, that's what he would love about George. He'd be able to roll this kid up and, you know, really sort of get into him about playing tough and playing hard and leading from the front and trying to inspire his, his pack, which he, he done on the weekend. So um, I was happy for John Morris to get a win as well because he's a great guy and a former teammate of mine and, come under a lot of pressure in the back half of last year. Um, and I think he made some big decisions, you know, by um, leaving out some big name players for this first uh, round win. And um, yeah, just really looking forward to, you know, keeping my feet up in the dry conditions in my lounge room and not getting belted by these two big packs of forwards. Let's talk, tell us a bit more about John Morris because he, like you said, he has been under pressure. The, all the stuff that happened with Shane Flanagan, they've just kept making the finals. I, I look at that scrum play they scored off last week and I'm like, that that's, that's some good coaching right there. They, um, you know, he hasn't had the roster that they had in, in 2016. He's had old players, you know, retire, you know, for feeders, knees aren't what they used to be. Paul Gallon's retired and he's, he's sort of kept the, the team pretty focused and, and kept them competitive all through. Yeah, look, look, if I was running that football club, you know, I would be really happy with having someone like John Morris in, in, in charge of 
my team because, you know, he's got great character as a human being. He was a, a true professional. He was a journeyman as a rugby league player. And, you know, in all fairness, about being disrespectful, he probably wasn't the most talented player I ever played with. And to think that he played over 300 games is just a testament to his character and his work ethic. And that's what he's going to bring as a coach. And, um, you know, he, he's probably in that genre of, you know, uh, I suppose like some of these great coaches like Craig Bellamy, not always the best player, but they make better coaches. And I think that's where John Morris is going to be so valuable. He's only young. He's already been thrown into the deep end. Um, he's had to confront a lot of change and losing a lot of great players, like you alluded to, falling into a coaching position that was surrounded by a lot of controversy and a club under pressure, both financially and in the media with stuff that happened off the field. I think he's handled himself really well. And um, I think they're only on the up. He understands these young players too. I think he's very relatable. And he understands that football is not just about the physical side, but the mental side. And that's where these younger coaches, I think, you know, are really going to change that um, the way that coaching has been done in, in, in past seasons and, and get some good results. Alicia, for the last game of the round, Canberra, it's almost, they haven't recruited a lot, but it's almost a new look team. Obviously, Ryan James comes into the pack, but a lot of guys that missed a lot of footy last year, you know, Ryan Sutton was season-ending MCL, you know, Corey Horsburgh missed, you know, most of the season. Emre Gula missed most of the season. Josh Hodgson missed the whole second half of the season with an ACL. They get all these guys back. So um, it was a pretty good start to their 2021 campaign. Yeah, it was. And I think, um, you know, you mentioned Ryan James. What a great thing to see him back, you know, score that try yeah. and just the emotion that was on his face. Um, yeah, you're right. Like they've, they've got a massive pack to, to choose from suddenly. You look at the guys in the reserves, you know, um, Tommy Starling's there, Emre Gula. Um, you know, guys that were playing regular first grade last year. So we talk about depth with South. The Raiders have definitely got that. Um, and the thing I like about the Raiders pack is they're quite mobile just as much as they are size-wise. You know, you got like someone like Hudson Young on the on the edge as well. Like he's come from leaps and bounds. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be a great battle, as Duke said up front. Um, you know, those forward packs don't, don't take each other to um, – sorry, they won't take each other lightly. And um, – yeah, even a guy like Sebastian Chris there in the centres, like replacing uh, Jared Croker, he, he had a whale of a game last week. So mm. it's, a, it's a tight one. I'm 50-50 on this game, actually. You can't – it's a preview podcast, Leash. You can't be 50-50. You've got to, <laughs> got to give us a tip. I, I think I tip Raiders, but only <laughs> yeah. Dukes, what do you got for us? Affirmative. Yeah, I, I got the Raiders. Yeah, Raiders yeah. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going the Raiders as well. That's um, all we've got time for. Just uh, quickly before we go, Dukes, where can people uh, check out the uh, the Manshake partnership if they're interested? Yeah, go to nrl.com.au or just go to the Manshake. is probably the best and easiest way. And, uh, you know, jump on board, as I said. You know, we're raising some great money for a great um, uh, cause. And you can also uh, still enjoy your pies and your beer and do it guilt-free if you, you jump on the program. Fantastic. Well, thank you both so much for joining us. We'll be back with another preview podcast next week. 